Hey everyone, welcome. Today, um, I'm talking with Martin Harris. And before that, let me just welcome you to the ninth uh, episode of season 11 of Productize Podcast. And this season, we are talking about the future of our cities, the cities we live with this question, what if cities cared more about their digital products and services and actually treated their citizens like real customers they want to retain? This is the podcast where innovators, geeks, creators, entrepreneurs, headmasters of schools come to discuss impactful ideas. Our mission is to inspire people to impactful action. My name is Andre Marquis. I'm your host. Hi, Mar Hi Martin. How are you? I'm very well, thank you very much. And thank you very much for inviting me to join you. I'm, sure. I'm very honored. We're very delighted. Um, so let me just uh, tell you uh, tell you guys a, a little bit about Martin. So uh, Martin Harris is the, the principal of the Lisbon School, opening in 2023. So it's the most recent international school project in Lisbon, probably also the most recent um, school opening uh, at least this size because it's very very uh, big project and it's an all through school with places from the early years to year 13 of the british curriculum which kind of translates to year 12 here in, in the portuguese curriculum uh, martin has over 20 years of experience in being a headmaster in schools across different latitudes and last year martin moved here to lisbon to establish this school project on its terms with his vision as well um, with a new educational model that we'll be covering in the podcast. And Martin is also the governor at St. Mary's Cone School, which is in the UK in Wiltshire. Martin, how is the year going? Are we fully recovered from the, the COVID crisis that hit school so hard uh, the past two years? It's, um, it's been such a tough time for everybody, um, but schools in particular, because they tend to function on interaction between people. Uh, remote learning was great up to a point, but uh, nothing can take away the the social side. And and trying to be positive about the pandemic, I think education learnt more about itself uh, and about how it functions best uh, over the over the last uh, eighteen months, two years, mm -hmm. and, and what works and what doesn't. How how did you navigate this this waters? I I get I guess like everybody else, the first three weeks were a little bit hectic, but then you adjusted to the so-called new normal and some strategies that you you adopted in the schools that you are. Yeah, I I, I don't know whether I'm typical. Um, we decided that um, we would offer families a, a, a lot of freedom early on mm -hmm. in 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 the uh, in the online learning, and actually what that missed was uh, the structure children particularly younger children mm -hmm. need structure in their learning they Absolutely. function best when they know what they've got to do at what time uh, and, and in offering freedom we we were trying to accommodate your mum and dad working at home yep. older sister younger brother etc all fighting for wi-fi space um, one of the things that impressed me most was the dynamic way that uh, we used, we based ourselves on Microsoft learning mm -hmm. um, and how dynamic uh, and quick they were to adjust 
to help us in education. So you um, are a Microsoft partner. Yeah, interesting. I mean, I won't get stuck into the the whys and wherefores, but in 2018, we did a very, very detailed study on on comparing the different educational uh, backgrounds and back, uh, platforms. And um, Microsoft was at that time really coming up um, very, very quickly. Um, I employed a, a head of digital to help me with the strategies mm. uh, in, in 2018. And uh, he led this. Uh, and in 2019, and I can remember the meeting very clearly, he sat like you and I across a table and he told me about this thing called Teams. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think I was probably distracted. I was probably thinking of the meeting I got afterwards and maybe a tough meeting with a parent coming up. And I just sort of nodded and pretended I understood exactly what he was talking about and just said yes. Uh, and of course, in a way, luckily, and a complete fluke, uh, it turned out to be the best decision we ever made because, of course, then the whole online learning once the pandemic uh, started uh, was, was based around Teams. So um, that, that decision was, was, was great. Uh, there are others. Uh, just to try and be uh, fair, but but we have used that uh, and it's and it's really helped. It, it, it helped take the school forward. And I think one of the things that um, I would just say is in putting structure for the children, it also helped families much more than giving them freedom. Um, and listen, I know that that when we asked children to be present at eight o'clock in the morning, mm -hmm. uh, you know, they were wearing tie and jacket and looking very smart. Underneath, most of them probably still have pajamas on or shorts, or were not looking quite so smart. But you know, it, it, it was a great uh, forum. Were form. you were you asking kids to actually wear the wear the the, the dress code of the school in in Zoom or in this case Teams? In teams. Yeah, yeah, we did. Oh, we did. That's 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 really interesting because we had all this uh, discussion of the pajamas uh, Teams party when people were even adults, right? Some some were not so formal or. But why was that? Well, we, we being my senior team, mm -hmm. spent a lot of time talking about it. And we recognize that, again, younger children in particular, but I think it's, it's true of all children, mm -hmm. needed to put a work head on. Right. So you have your home head and you have your school head. Mm -hmm. And just putting the act of putting your uniform on helped them get into the school even even if they're fighting for Wi-Fi at home, right? Even, it, even. it gives them this psychological space. Yeah, and that's very curious. So how how did you develop this interest in, in education? Because you have a bachelor in in science and geography, um, did you start working in this field just after um, your bachelor, or how did you get drawn by the magic of education? Look, I I should. I probably should be answering here that I've always wanted to be a teacher, but I'm afraid it wasn't the case. <laughs> that was not the case. Okay, so uh, that would be the case. I was desperate to be a pilot. Uh, an, an Air Force pilot? An Air Force pilot. Oh, I was going to okay. be Tom Cruise. Uh, All right, in, the in movie is, is, is coming. coming up. Yeah. <laughs> um, I know that the British uh, squad has watched it uh, in a pre-screening uh, right. with Tom Cruise last year uh, on the on the World Cup. Okay. 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 But they only then. So for the rest of us mortals, the, the, the movie is still up to. I think it's come a couple come, of weeks. Yeah, I think so. A couple of weeks. Uh, can't wait. Uh, anyway, I was devastated to learn when I was 17, 18 that I was too tall for, for a, an RAF uh, fighter pilot. Um, it's not like a car where you can move the seat back. <laughs> so, um, and they told me there were 52, I think it was, other jobs that I could do in the RAF. And I, but I just wanted to fly. Um, so you gave up on your I gave area. up on my dream and uh, went so to that, university. That was mid 90s. 
So uh, you're very sweet. That's very kind of you to say. <laughs> uh, it was actually the, uh, the the late eighties. All right. Late- so at the end of the Cold War, maybe we're not needing had as many pilots as before. All right. So you decided RAF is not for me, and went to university. Um, uh-huh. I didn't give it much thought, uh, and this is a lesson for every every child uh, is is to, is to just give a little bit of thought about what you want to study mm-hmm. at university. I enjoyed my geography degree. There was nothing wrong with it. And it's a very good all round degree. It doesn't open doors. I, I think that's mm-hmm. a, a, a good way to say. Um, I, I went uh, ended up then working uh, for a bank in the city of London. Um, but you quickly realized that you're either a desk person or not a desk person, uh, mm-hmm. and I'm not a desk person. Uh, and I then went to work in a sports centre in the management side of things uh, after a year in the city, um, and I didn't enjoy that either. And a friend of mine who had left university at the same time as me uh, was a real entrepreneur, and he hired out schools during the school holidays and ran sports clubs. Mm. And he needed he was desperate actually if i'm honest uh he needed uh, someone to to help him coach uh, and i remember it now cricket um mm, okay and i happened to like cricket and and said of course i'll come and help you and i was amazed to find that children listened to me uh it was a real epiphany it was a good moment well that's that's really overstating it mm. um but children listened to me and um i went to work in a school for a term near my parents house actually it meant going back home um and i enjoyed it and and the 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 headmaster there who was a lovely man took me under his wing one day and just said you need to go and get uh trained go 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 back to university get your teaching Mm -hmm. qualifications uh and and then come back and see me in in a year's time and that's what you did that's what i did so you started in that same school yes all right and you you are you are you know you are from the United Kingdom obviously and you have been working as a headmaster there since because it takes the time it, you just don't get to be a headmaster straight away right so what's the the line of progress between starting working in a school with the kids and then moving towards the position uh, I after a couple of years I went to work in a boarding school I changed jobs mm-hmm. I went to work in a boarding school so a, a boarding school for people that don't know what it is it's it's a it's a special kind of school concept that you have in the UK which yes it's a it's if you said it cold it sounds a very odd concept you know why would you send your children away mm-hmm. in this particular case from the age of 8 upwards mm-hmm. and and that sounds almost cruel but mm-hmm. it was uh, for parents who lived overseas right. so this is um in in the in the 90s mm-hmm. in the mid 90s um, there weren't such a good selection of international schools overseas at that stage. So mm-hmm. lots of children uh, would, would actually like, stay in the UK and rather stay in a boarding school. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, th- there were less schools in London at that stage. So mm-hmm. quite a few would uh, come. This was in Sussex, yeah, so right. not far from London. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there were just some parents who had gone to boarding schools themselves and felt that was the best way forward. Uh, and, and funnily enough, since I was working there, I think that model changed in the uk mm. it, this was um two to three weeks before you would see your parents um which sounds cruel but what it did was it gave a real sense of community which i recognized then was a a great strength in a school and the second thing was it wasn't just about teaching geography or maths or english mm-hmm. it was also the sport the music the drama mm-hmm. and all the little bits in between the friendships having great friends having opportunities 
and it's a 24-hour experience it was a 24-hour experience and i think a lot of my friends couldn't quite understand why on earth i would want to work in a school where i had breakfast with the children <laughs> and then you know some days a week when i was on duty i, I would be putting them to bed as well it seemed mm. uh, really odd when they were going out to the pub or meeting friends but i saw the whole child i saw the whole child and and and, and i think that planted a seed in my mind so, um, you know, just doing a quick quantum leap here, you decided to take this project and this is the first time you're moving to Portugal. So it just arrived when last year, right? Why did you do that? And what encouraged you to do? Because you didn't really know the country that well, right? No, I'm sorry to say I didn't <laughs> know Portugal at all well. And I keep thinking, you know, why? Why have I not been here before? I've been to the Algarve, like um, lots of Brits. Um, mm -hmm. we, we love the sun down on the south coast. Um, I had been ahead, as you said in, in the introduction, for quite a long time. And I think subconsciously I was aware that I was, could possibly be stuck in a rut, that I had one more project before I get too old. And uh, <laughs> I would like to, to do something that reflected my my thoughts on education mm -hmm. education for lots of good reasons doesn't do change terribly well and uh, i think that i could see a time and i think that the pandemic that we discussed earlier almost emphasized that we needed to change and mm -hmm. look to the future mm -hmm. and i i was frustrated at times that we weren't moving moving the whole of education not just my school every school forward it was difficult to do that. So when this um, project was placed in front of me and I was uh, flattered to be asked, uh, I sat down with my wife and I just said, this is an amazing, amazing opportunity because it's a blank piece of paper and it's in a wonderful city in, in, in Portugal. All right. And we're going to talk a little bit about it. Um, so you've been here for just over one year. How, how different is life in, in Lisbon or in Portugal from the, the life you had in the UK? Because the stereotype um, of the, the Brit expect here fits more something like in lines of going to play golf in, <laughs> in the Algarve or in Cascais or in Estoril or whatever it is. And we were talking about it, right? That connection between Britain and, and Pro Portugal is, uh, is quite a long one um, through the ages. Uh, but in many ways, uh, Lisbon is becoming more expat friendly than it was uh, until, I don't know, five or six years ago, where most of the expats and people um, that were not Portuguese and having high paid jobs would rather stay in, in the outer rim of the, the city, right? And in places like Cascais and Estoril. I think that's right. I think uh, my personal feeling is I wish I could be playing golf more often. Mm -hmm. uh, I would love that stereotype. <laughs> <laughs> well, but are you? Uh, I love golf. Uh, and I've, I've only played once since I've been here. Okay. I, I've been here sort of a seven or eight So you're not there. enjoying the, the perks of the country? Uh, I will do. Don't okay. worry. I, once, I, once, once I sort of, you know, have everything sorted. But uh, joking aside, I think it's a, a beautiful city. Interestingly, I didn't hear anybody say one bad thing about Lisbon mm -hmm. and I talked to a lot of people before uh, moving. before before I came mm -hmm. and actually since I've been here and I think it's partly um the the people um Portuguese people are incredibly welcoming and it's a very very 
a dynamic city in terms of lots of people here from different countries uh, around the world. It's it's a really diverse and they very welcoming, very warm, and it is it's a beautiful city. Not because it's got thousands of amazing buildings, although there are lots of lovely buildings. It's just got some amazing views, uh, uh, and and uh, the climate obviously helps. So there's an outdoor life in a city. I mean, uh, just to give you an example, I took my office. I now have four people working with me in my office, mm -hmm. and I took. Where, them, where are you? So the office is 50 yards across the road from from where the school will be in Alcantara, and close to Alcantara. And um, we went uh, to the beach a couple of weeks ago, mm -hmm. and we could be on the beach in in 15 minutes. And, and you just think, how many other capital cities around the world could you do that? So that's a very small example. And, mm -hmm. and, and there'll be some people who are not interested in being in the beach, but it, it offers an outdoor way of life that I don't think many other capital cities around the world do. And do you have any hobbies? So you, you're playing golf, but you're not, so, you're not hitting the pitch so often. What are you, um, do you have time for, for any hobbies here? At the moment, my family is still in the UK. Oh, okay. So, yeah. so quite a lot of my free time, I'm sort of jetting backwards and forwards, or they're coming out here. So, mm -hmm. I've I've got very good at uh, taking my family and uh, relations and friends on a uh, on a sort of quick tour around Lisbon, uh, okay. which which I'm still enjoying doing. All right, Celeste, so uh, you took this challenge of setting an international school from from pretty much from scratch, uh, the the Lisbon, which is an Artemis education school. Can you tell us uh, a little bit about the inception of the project? Because um, the, the, the school itself, the, the, you, ha you have another campus in Qatar, and it's a Qatari company behind um, the, the project. So how, this, how did you start the, this, this new school project? Uh, it's actually a, a British company. It's a, it is a British it's company, British company okay. uh, who, are, who are currently based in Qatar, okay. um, but they are moving to, to Lisbon. Mm. Uh, when the schools open, oh nice! So uh, all my boss's children are going to be in my school. So so no pressure, no pressure, no pressure at all. <laughs> um, they have uh, set up. Uh, they they've raised money around the world, mm -hmm. um, and not just in Qatar. And they've set the goal of setting up uh, a number of schools, a small number of schools. They 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 are not trying to be a, a huge organization with mm -hmm. with with schools in every every continent but a number of really high quality schools um, and very diverse schools that have a, 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 a few common goals. Um, they, they want them to be kind, happy schools. Uh, they want them to be eco-friendly uh, and, mm -hmm. and, and run a sustainable uh, uh, campus. And um, they want them to be successful. Um, but they are, have left me, uh, apart from that, a completely blank canvas, which is you know, fantastic, fantastic, and 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 they will leave that side of it uh, to me. So, it, from from an educational point of view, I've got the ideal background because I've got some amazing businessmen who who deal with the business, mm -hmm. and they and they leave the education to me. So they let you run the pedagogical uh, charts. They 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 let you kind of think about the the actual product that you are creating. Um, and, and why did you decide to, to do it here in, in Lisbon? Um, did you see a, a market specific market opportunity for this kind of educational model here in the city? The Artemis team, uh, before they took me on, had done a mm -hmm. huge amount of research, which of course 
was slightly um, influenced uh, by by the pandemic or the onset of the pandemic. But I think they had uh, identified Lisbon before the pandemic came as as a potential uh, site for for a school. Um, one of the big big uh, deal breakers, I think, was managing to get a a site that was big enough to hold a, a big international school in the center of Lisbon, because one of the things that uh, many um, families notice is that there's very few schools in the center and lots around the outside. Uh, and I think you sort of hinted earlier that, that there are lots of families who are coming, perhaps don't want to live around the outside, mm -hmm. which is a, a sort of... Yeah, and so, sometimes the choice is where is the school, right? Exactly. And and I get that. You don't want to spend your whole time driving in a car and uh, or, or putting your children in a, in a school bus the whole time. Uh, you know, it's nice to have it just down the road. Um, so acquiring the site was a key moment in, in the history of this plan. And the site is an old uh, factory, right? Which, uh, which has a, a, a fairly big implementation uh, square footage. I, I don't know exactly how much it is, but I think it's like several thousand square meters. Mm. In, uh, in a place of the city, which is being also very uh, renovated. So you have a new hospital there, you have a, a number of new uh, habitational uh, complexes uh, being built as well not not to speak about alex factory and other more um avant-garde cultural scene um spaces is was this a strategic location or was it just because this the sheer opportunity of having this wonderful very sturdy building that you could take and refurbish according to your own architectural concept I, I think the building has a lot to do with it mm -hmm. because um, there, as I said earlier, there are very, very few sites in Lisbon that could host a, a, yeah. a school of 1,200 pupils. Actually, we were told we could get 1,400 pupils. In you, you were told by the city council, by yeah. the, the permit. Mm -hmm. but, okay. but to us, that felt a little bit too much of a squeeze. Mm -hmm. So, so 1,200 pupils. And the building is an amazing building. Uh, you, right. you hinted it was a factory. It was an old pasta and cereal factory. Pasta and cereal. Yes. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, which is just wonderful. Uh, and the science uh, and technology block was where the flower was stored when, when it came off the boats from the river. Mm -hmm. and the yeah, because this is a centennial building, right? It was built maybe in the, the beginning of the 20th century. So, so the first building was built in 1904, okay. and the last building was built in 1912. So and it's still uh, there. It's very much, a, you know, yeah. they, they knew how to do it back then. Oh, <laughs> Andre, if you saw the thickness, the of, the thickness walls, of the walls, they're incredible. amazing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and yeah. it is such a, an inspirational uh, sort of a, a skin for, to, 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 in which to build a school. And I think that's one of the things that excited me was putting a modern school inside this beautiful, uh, beautiful old building. And, and you are working with the best of the best in terms of the architectural Architect. concept. Right? Absolutely. Federico Valsacina and his, uh, his team um, have been intrinsically involved in the development of that corner of Lisbon. I, I know in other areas as well. Um, uh, but but he had the master plan, and so for us to use him to develop the school was was just a natural choice. And he's been amazing uh, sort of source of information and support in the journey so far. All right. So um, before we actually jump into actual the actual concept of the the, the school. Um, how is the, the the construction works going 
So we've reached the stage where the inside has been now completely gutted. So, so if you and I walk there to, tomorrow, you, we would find just the walls and, and the floors. Um, it was after the pasta factory closed, um, it's been used as, a, as, as an office block. So mm -hmm. there was an absolute rabbit warren of tiny, tiny little offices, very, very, very close together. Uh, and all of those have been stripped out, all of the old uh, lift shafts and, and uh, old air conditioning units and, and all of these have been stripped out. Uh, and, and, and it is now just a shell. And we're about to begin the, the, the building, the exciting bit. The idea is to open September, well, just before September 2023, yes. the next... Uh uh, sorry, not the next uh, it, 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 school year, but the, the, the year just after. Um, so let, let's jump, jump in a little bit into the, the educational concept. How is the school going to be different from other international schools here in Lisbon or the ones that tend to be uh, the most well-known? I I've visited a couple of the schools, mm -hmm. so I, I, but it would be wrong for me to comment on you know, specific schools, specific schools. Um, but but I think three things I hope will 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 make uh, the Lisbon different. The first is the uh, location which which we talked upon. There are very very few uh, three to eighteen schools actually in the centre of, of of Lisbon. Uh, the second one is because you are covering from the, the very early years, yeah, all the way to the the end of the cycle. Yeah, and this is because you have the sheer capacity to do so as well, right? In terms of uh, yeah, students, and that's right. The buildings, perhaps I should have said earlier, uh, the buildings are enormous inside. Right, they are mm -hmm. uh, they they are cavernous inside, and we can keep the three year olds away from the seventeen year olds <laughs> right. if if you want to. It's not as though you're going to be bumping into each other in the corridors the whole time. And and, and you so know, it's, it's almost a campus. It is in, a campus. That's ways. a very good description. Uh, it is more of a campus than a than a school, um, and that's lovely because it means that, joking aside, the little ones can have their own space to grow in, uh, and and as you work your way up through the school, there are five floors uh, in the classroom block, six floors on the uh, science and technology. They, they're they're all very separate. But one of the differentiation factors that, uh, at least reading your website and uh, through her conversations, you told me about your focus on STEAM topics as well and providing kids with the conditions to work on science projects and, and so on and so forth. Do you, do you want to cover that Elaborate. as well? Yeah. I think one of, the, one of the things that would differentiate us, if I can just uh, finish that mm -hmm. before Absolutely. we move on to, the, to, to that, is, is um, I really am ambitious for the children. Mm -hmm. And, and ambition is is something that sadly appears to be lacking in in education, which frustrates me because I want the best for for the children. Now, the best doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be uh, you know ten GCSE exams or, or the highest ever marks at uh, at the IB exam. It means that actually what the children need is as many opportunities and encouragement. You know, not every child want naturally finds uh, maths easy or football or acting. Um, and mm -hmm. so we want to, to encourage all the children to, to have as many opportunities. But just to go back to your point, one of my key drivers in this new project has been discovery and, and encouraging children not just to sit in the classroom and listen to a teacher standing at the front of the, 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 the class telling children 
I want the children to be involved in the act of, of, of discovery. And, and that feeling and seeing children from the, from, from, from the very youngest age all the way up to 18, actually discovering information, that's one of the things. To have that, more agency to what they're doing. Yeah. I've seen that you are following um, one of the, the you know, a specific author, Matthew Seeds, um, from the UK. And part of this of his message is is about high performance, right? And how performers and the you know how 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 people view the there are two schools of uh, philosophical uh, thought, if you will, about how high performers achieve. One of them is you know they have talent, so they're gifted and just God chosen to be like that. Another one is. Uh, really coaching them to to be uh, the high performers and it gives the example of and how, how Britain moved from being one of you know not performing good in, in cyclism and now having some of the, the best cyclism uh, teams in, in 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 the world really and um, and 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 it's not because genetics of the British people change overnight, right? But mostly because the the training method and the training approach of uh, very influential coaches actually uh, allowed that to happen. So, uh, do do you believe in this uh, school of thought? Where I find Matthew Syed fascinating, and particularly in that first book that that, mm -hmm. that he wrote, Bounce, was was he he struggled. Uh, or he brought to light the struggle between natural talent and practice and how much you can achieve by one or the other. And it, it got me thinking, what are we doing in education? You know, are we just getting the children to practice lots or are we making the most of their natural talents? Because every child has got a talent in something and I'm a strong believer in that. Mm -hmm. And it is our job to uncover that. And yet when I stand up sometimes at the end of term to present prizes, there are some children who you look and think, have we really developed your talents as much as we could have done? And that saddens me, you know, that really saddens me. So here is an opportunity to start a school from scratch, which we're not just talking about awarding prizes to everybody. That's not what I'm talking about. It's trying to uncover and inspire children in whatever area it might be. And so it was Matthew Syed's uh, initial book that I read, whatever, seven or eight years ago, that, 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 that sort of sowed a seed in my mind come on, let's, let's try and find a happy balance. Because to me, education was more about the practice rather than, than nurturing the national, natural talent. Uh, I, I also uh, uh, was fascinated. I don't know if you've seen his latest book, uh, Rebel Ideas, which, which also uh, developed uh, for me something that sort of made a lot of sense, which was that we've also got to, ch uh, to challenge children to think outside the box. Mm -hmm. and, and I think for your listeners to this podcast, one of the greatest challenges is how do we make education relevant for the future? How, how, do, how do we prepare children to go and be the entrepreneurs, the leaders, the, the workers of the future? Because I'm pretty sure that the education we're doing at the moment is not doing that as effectively as it could. And you, you have the transient uh, to do that as a headmaster, because uh, I, I don't know how it works for um, the oversight, but in most schools in Portugal, especially if you are working under the Portuguese curriculum, what you're allowed to do is very, um, you know, is within boundaries, right? And you have those boundaries, and it's a very, 
you know, some people call it a Stalinistic approach where someone in the ministry decides what to do and then there is a chain of command and schools are supposed to do what they're supposed to do. But I guess in your case, you have that transient to choose and to to actually uh, craft the, the curriculum according to your own uh, school board initiatives. So so I, I, I've spoken to probably 20 or so educational leaders from around the world in international schools in, in different countries and and leaders back in the UK who I knew from from my own experience and I said to them all I've got a blank piece of paper here what would you do mm-hmm. and, and it was fascinating to to hear the the huge range of, of opportunities from literally a couple saying well what we've got at the moment is the best all the way to scrap all exams and let's start afresh mm-hmm. and of course I could then put down my own ideas and I knew that the blank piece of paper, whatever I put on there, you're going to have to pass children through certain hoops. It's not fair for me just to educate children or expect parents to to, to educate children without them, for example, taking GCSEs or or an exam at 18, which gets them into the best universities in the Mm -hmm. world. Mm -hmm. Um, Even though I'm not a great believer in the exam system that we have at the moment, I think it could be better we have to help the children because they've got to stand toe to toe with with children from other schools around the world not just in portugal so so my ideal school would not necessarily uh, have those things in it but we've got to compromise um and and i think to to answer your question it's the framework and the ethos that you build around that that that's important and did you have the you were speaking about this this uh consultants uh uh, who were these uh, educational experts that you have consulted with? So uh, I've, I've, I've spoken to a number, of, I, I, I hope they would call themselves uh, leaders, uh, particularly about the academics. It was, mm-hmm. it was I, I'm pretty clear what I knew that I wanted in terms of ethos. But I spoke to um, the director of studies or academic deputies in, in, in leading schools in, in the UK and, and uh, around the world. And as i said there was a there was a, a myriad of different different answers yeah we have people like um i believe stephen wolfram um that also from the uk that it has been very vocal for the last i don't know 10 years or so on computational thinking and has been very influential because you know his premise is that uh teaching um manual computation doesn't make sense nowadays because we have that thing called computers right so what we should be teaching kids is how to you know think about algorithms how to think in computational thinking how to program and stuff like that um and and it's just someone that i i've i've been following for uh, some years and and, and j- just on that front andre you you may have seen it on youtube i i think ken robinson yeah sadly not no longer with us you know he's some of the most watched um yeah i think he has like the the record the youtube most watched the uh, ted that uh ted talk yeah, talk yeah yeah and 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 his push was you know we must allow more creativity mm-hmm. uh, which which i have some sympathy with i i have to say i think in in 2022 creativity with some of the things that you're talking about, the, the 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 not just using technology, but teaching children how to use technology as well. And creativity is definitely one of the the cornerstones here of this uh, 
new school project in Alcantara, the, the Lisbon School. Um, I, reading through your website, you have a very interesting section, uh, which if you allow me, I would just uh, read, which has, um, so uh, reading from your webpage, uh, you focus on the connection between the school and the community by, and I'm quoting, uh, a repurposing and upcycling a landmark heritage property and then that we have talked about, but also delivery of carbon positive renovations through sustainable offsets. Can you elaborate on this one? And we'll just go through this because, I, you know, I think I understand what you're saying, but uh, if you want to tell us about the specifics, are you actually offsetting uh, the, the carbon emissions of the, the actual renovations? Is that what you're doing? The, the whole lot, the, everything. Artemis were very clear that um, when we set off on this journey, I, I always get worried when people read from the website. I didn't know which bit you were going. <laughs> and, and I, yeah, had... I just read from actually the, the, the bottom section, but the, that was the one that uh, I found uh, specifically most interesting. <laughs> no, it, conversation it, it's, it's, it's very relevant. Um, so, so just to give you an example, um, during the, the internal demolition that we've been going mm -hmm. through, we've cleared out a huge amount of metalwork, mm -hmm. which I guess five, 10 years ago would have just gone and sat on a scrap heap somewhere. Yeah. And we have spent a lot of money. I, I, I won't lie. It's not been the cheapest way of doing this, but, but in, in ensuring that that has gone away to be recycled and, and reused somewhere. Or, or upcycle as well, uh, right? Upcycle. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. I, I think that um, one of the key things is, is, is you know, lots of people say, well, a little bit of metal is not going to make much difference, but every material that we are now using that will come in really from, from this week onwards to, to help build the school has been sourced. Um, the, the transport um, to and from the, the, the school has been calculated, included in the calculations for, for the carbon footprint. And Artemis, before the school opens, will offset uh, all of that. All right. Offsetting, I think it's easy to understand, but the, the next one is delivery of carbon positive school operations and ongoing business, which I think is a little bit more challenging, right? Yes. Well, the two are linked, actually, because one of the pro or a couple of the projects that Artemis are, are using is to support a, a community in rural Peru hmm. uh, and, and in rural Kenya. And that means not just giving them um, new uh, trees to plant, but it also is helping the farmers in, in their education. Uh, and that sounds patronizing, uh, and uh, I've probably phrased it very badly, but it's helping the future that they can grow sustainable uh, in a sustainable manner. And so we are trying to look to the future the, the whole time. When the school is open, um, we want to have zero. We want to be on zero so that- So as you want children, to be- uh... A net zero school as as we open, and I think that's an important message to, for for the children. And um, when when we open, we are going to try to stay at zero. It's going to be hard because uh, obviously a school by by its very nature. Uses one one of the, the the schemes that you are going to implement is a reward scheme for low impact lifestyles. Example: no cars on school runs. I guess are you going to promote kids biking to school? 
parents biking to school? Is that what you're doing? What, one of them. But you're not going to get a three-year-old to be able to, to no, cycle to I school. To so. well, actually, my three-year-old does cycle, but not to school. Uh, but yes, absolutely. So, so we are considering, and, and that the reason it's slightly vague on the website at the moment is this is still in, in uh, discussion. And, and we, what, what kind of discussions are you having around well, this? For example, you know, we may be able to offer free after-school activities or, or free uniform or something to to parents who are using actually uh, let me just tell you martin one of one of the the speakers that uh, we have in line um for not the next podcast but the one just after is the cto the ex-cto of the city of vilnius and um and uh, and we had a our first guest of the show for the series um uh julius petronis he, he told us you know andre when i was speaking with her she told me uh, the best way to reduce mobility has nothing to do with mobility. The best way to reduce mobility is to provide good schools because if parents have good schools close to their homes, they don't have to drive to schools that are, you know, outside there, uh, or they just don't have to drive at all because they can actually walk kids to school. So, um, and he told me, yeah, that's that for me that was such a a novel way to to look at the problem, um, but I guess. That might also pose a challenge, right? Because um, um, you might have lots of parents driving to to school. How to tackle these challenges, right? Well, I think we're off to a very good start in the location that we are mm -hmm. because it has a fantastic network of public transport. It does, and it, it might have uh, even better in the future with the subway and I'm, moving there. And so I'm on. keeping everything crossed yeah. on that front. Um, yeah. I, 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 I think they've started the next stations down, so it's getting closer. Um, but that would be amazing because it literally would open up pretty much all of Lisbon mm -hmm. to, to Alcantara. But there, there is already with the trams, the buses, uh, the two train stations in Alcantara, uh, uh, you've, got a, you've got a pretty good network to get there. We are also going to have a, a, a couple of bus routes using electric um, minibuses to, to, to help parents. Mm -hmm. Uh, oh, uh, the, the school bus is going to be an electrical school bus. Yes, absolutely. Okay, that's great. Uh, I would expect this at this moment, but uh, yeah, that, 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 that's something. And of course, if you can put 16 children in a minibus and, right. and transport them to school, then, then that's 16 cars that you haven't got on the road. Yeah, so, so it, makes, it makes a lot of sense. And, and, and school, do, they do have a, a social responsibility towards that, um, which is something I, I always found uh, in many ways fascinating, which is, you know, what happens from the road of the school outside, it's not the school's, uh, uh, you know, it's not out, it's out of the school's uh, agenda, out of the school's reach, and it shouldn't be that way, right? I mean, it's, uh, it has such an important communal impact that uh, some, some of the things need to be designed right design and engineer from from day one because it just creates the hitos that you were talking about speaking about um ethos and and maybe pathos what has been the connection with the the city council because this is a huge impact this is a you know over 1000 students in a in an area of lisbon and that until recently had very uh, little educational offer at, at at all it's actually changing the landscape how has been the 
All positive so far. Mm -hmm. um, I think one of the interesting um, points to make here is the positive impact the school can have on the local community. I think those days where you used to have a school, particularly perhaps a, an international school with a high fence around it and, and nobody really knew what happened inside that school, I, I hope those days are, are gone. I think the school, we, we, uh, Artemis. Will that have a fence or is it a for little safety, bit, but, for safety? But, uh, but actually what we want is the school to be a hub for the community. We want it to be, because it literally is in the heart of Alcantara, we would like it to be the heart of the community. And mm -hmm. we, we, we see that happening in a number of ways. Um, we, we want to make the facilities available to the local community uh, during the evenings when the children have, have, have gone home. So, so 6.30 onwards, it can, it can make its sports center, the theater, music rooms available to the local community. The local community. Um, we are planning a year after the school opens, we are planning a, a, a cafe. So that can mm, become a, nice. I mean, there's, there's already lots of good cafes and bars around. So it's not that the community needs that, but that can act. Yeah, there's again. always space for a better cafe. <laughs> <laughs> um, ask me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, that I can see that as being another sort of hub for the community. And, and two, two other ways that I've sort of wanted to, to, to introduce is, um, we Artemis are very kindly setting up a, 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 a number of bursaries so that mm. uh, we feel it's important that local children have the opportunity to, to, to come to the school, mm -hmm. uh, not just the international community. Um, and that poses also a, a pricing challenge, right? Yes, that, it, it, it does. Are you um, going to have any kind of stipends or or scholarships for for locals that that, that, that is the the, the the entire purpose you're absolutely mm -hmm. right of the bursaries the bursaries are for people who wouldn't otherwise be able to to attend um mm -hmm. uh, an international school like like ours and and we are going to keep that going maintain the the momentum by establishing a foundation to which anybody in in lisbon can contribute which will make life-changing opportunities for 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 children what about connection with uh, other schools like local schools or even Portuguese speaking schools. I'm well, funny enough, I've already made contact with a with a local school who who have a couple of beautiful grass mm -hmm. uh, pitches because we haven't got any grass mm -hmm. um, outside facilities. So so uh, you know I I've I've offered to to you know have have close connections. They don't have a theatre. Uh, we, we're going right. to have a theatre. So perhaps there's a chance yeah. to, to 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 use it. I think the days where every school has to have every single facility itself perhaps have gone and and even you know, even you know i i've coming I'm, I'm coming from the defense background even a defense now nowadays we're speaking about smart defense which is you have the tanks i have the boats so why why should i have tanks and boats and everything in between and you know if we are allies we can actually that's actually what's happening we, uh, right we, now we also are lucky enough uh to have the marina yeah you do have a, a short hop skirt or a jump yeah, away and, and so we can some of our activities selling classes there we can sail and paddleboard and canoe and yeah. kayak there's 101 different things that we can yeah. do so speaking, you spoke about the bursaries. What about kindergarten model? Uh, model uh, is it going to be Montessori? Which one are you adopting? No, I'm. I, throughout the school, you're probably gathered by now that uh, we we're going to be using a hybrid of of. So it's a fresh approach rather mm. than sort of hugely alternative. It's a, it's a sort of fresh approach. Um, there are there are elements of Montessori that, that that I admire hugely, and I hope that 
they would recognize in 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 our in our provision but actually i'm not sure how if you're aware of the early years foundation in 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 great britain the the eyfs funnily enough is probably the most relevant and forward looking part of the uk gosh i'll get shot down by lots of people here but but perhaps the most relevant and forward looking part of our education system um in in terms of encouraging children to 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 learn independently uh, and and forward looking uh, so for people that are not so familiar with the early uh, learning framework is it uh, somehow related to montessori what's the differences there i i think uh, it, it, it's it's possibly a touch more structured than 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 the montessori mm -hmm. uh, is um but it is uh, based on seven pillars um of, of learning and uh, uh everything the children do is, is 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 loosely based around those those seven pillars that sets them up beautifully to lead into the more structured sort of literature and numeracy science etc that we would recognize mm -hmm. so that's also a way to understand natural talents and natural inclinations absolutely um and and funnily enough it i attended a meeting just before the pandemic with lots of other heads from from junior schools kindergartens uh universities and as the day went on it became increasingly clear that 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 what we do at the very beginning of of the education is is pretty good and, and and what sort of industry wants um and then sadly we sort of wander away from that mm -hmm. so you know uh, at lisbon uh, school uh, also uh, from previous conversation we understand that you will have uh the kids will have the, the choice of uh after school activities, including Mandarin to jewelry making, sports on the weekends. Um, kids are not necessarily always eager to participate um, on some of these activities. So what, what kind of strategies are you expecting to, to push them towards um, some of these activities? Is that like, you know, trying, trying lots of things because there's also this uh, philosophy, you might have read the book range where where they uh, where the author defends that um, you know people should have this approach of trying and having this uh, more eclectic view of the world and then has they they are in, more inclined towards something or, or 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 another they they will kind of dive deeper but uh, over specialization at the early age is um, too precocious and will not uh, allow you to really understand and grasp what 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 is there about in the world? So, so at some stage in a child's career, I always say to them, try everything. Mm -hmm. because, because what you don't want to do is get to the age of 18, 19, 20, and then think, oh, I really wish I'd tried playing the violin or, or playing basketball or whatever it might mm -hmm. be. Have a go at it. You, you might find that you really enjoy it. So I think um, what you're alluding to is how much can we put into our curriculum that the children have to do and how much is optional. And I think um, one, of, one of the things that a blank sheet of paper gives you is an opportunity to try and rethink the school day uh, in order to a, ensure that you have enough learning time, the old-fashioned learning time in mm -hmm. the classroom, but also that you have enough time built in, and, and, and I'm certainly just doing this now, uh, of of team games of trying music of of drama all those things that children really should be doing outside the classroom as well because i'm a, I, one of the things that i think i uh, mentioned earlier 
coming up in a boarding background, you can see that uh, a child playing a trumpet on a stage and getting a big round of applause or, or scoring a goal in, in football gives them enormous confidence. When they're struggling with some maths or science, this, this gives them a boost that they need. And, and all children struggle at some stage, but all children, as I said at the very beginning, are, are, all, are good at something. And it's our job to, to inspire them to try and uncover whatever it is that they're good at. So yeah. I think the more opportunities we can provide at the school and, and in sites around Lisbon, um, then, then the better. And, and, and that's one of the things that excites me about Lisbon is there are so many opportunities mm -hmm. that, 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 you know, we, doors that we can open for children. And, and I'm, I've just um, been in contact, for example, with a, a lady who, who contacted me who uh, owns a sort of fashion house. She, she, she designs and makes clothing. And I was thinking, well, that's not really anything to do with school. And then I thought, no, actually, that might be something that really lights the fire of, of, of a child. Uh, so, you know, she's going to come in once a week and she's going to talk to the children and, and, and help them design and make clothes. And, and that just sort of, you know, came completely out of the blue. Martin, what drives you in the morning? Uh, what do you enjoy the most about your work? I... For this this precise moment, designing it is quite exciting, mm -hmm. but I'm really missing the uh, the the buzz that is a school, mm -hmm. and and I think that creating that buzz is is what drives me, and and seeing children thriving in a in a in a in a school. So so to answer your question, I hope it doesn't sound too corny, but to find what makes a child tick to find what they're really good at and then to pass them on into into the world aged 18 um ready to take on university or jobs or whatever it might be that they go on to do and do it really well set them up for life that that's it's it's a real privilege for us to be able to do that absolutely but like any other human you you must also have your own frustration so if you had a superpower to to change educational model of today at this K-12 school. Um, what is the first thing you would immediately tackle about it? Uh, without hesitation, uh, I can say it's this obsession with testing and examining pupils. Mm. Because I don't think, A, the tests or exams that are currently in, in operation really help the children onto the next stage. And you can see little examples of that by the fact that a lot of uh, universities are now introducing their own entrance exams because mm -hmm. yeah. they're finding that the traditional exams do not prepare them properly or test them properly. And I don't think we're helping the children. So I think if I could look, I, I want children to get as many A grades at GCSE as, as they possibly can. But I think just preparing, just learning for to pass exams is 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 the wrong way forward. So I'm hoping that Lisbon children will will get as many A grades and A stars at GCSEs as anybody else. But I hope that we'll get to it by inspiring the pupils rather than just making them sit down and spend hours learning. All right. So regarding the this school initiative, you said that you guys are at least the the. the the, the the group behind the, the, the Lisbon school wants to expand. What are your expansion plans? Are you still expansion? Do you have any other expansion plans for Portugal at this moment that you can talk about? No, no. Not, not, nothing in concrete. Um, but there's definitely a, a sort of idea that's floating around that, that um, 
Portugal is Portugal is 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 a country uh, that's on the move um, mm -hmm. in a positive way, and um, I know that uh, the the they wouldn't mind me saying that outside the traditional centres of the Algarve and Lisbon and Porto, there are probably some developing some some development potential um, to, to 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 work with the Portuguese and and hopefully um, you know expand. Yes, and are you expecting to have some kind of uh, you know, I don't think the word is probably the most correct one. School tourism, like uh, it's it, it it is an established industry in the United Kingdom, in Switzerland, where you have foreign students even at this younger ages coming to study here in in Portugal, because that has not been historically speaking very explored here. Uh, is is there something you also want to to provide for um, you know foreign students that want to stay in a country or? No, I think I think we f we feel currently that there are enough. Um, in fact, local parents, lo but yeah, local and international. International here in 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 Lisbon. Lisbon's a, such a. I think we mentioned at the beginning, it's such a diverse and eclectic uh, city already that uh, one doesn't need to do that. It might be that um, in the future, but but I I don't think. I don't think so. But uh, uh, do you have in mind any specific, and I'm not speaking about the parents now, I'm speaking of persona in terms of the student. Who is the ideal Lisbon uh, school student uh, in your mind? Uh, any child who, who just wants to give it a go. Just come and, come and give uh, the life at, uh, at the Lisbon a go because it, it, it'll be an incredibly exciting journey and there'll be some who are nervous about that and there'll be some who embrace it straight away um but we'll we'll welcome everybody because we will find i'm determined to find what every child is good at very well that uh that spirit of finding the the best in each one of us um uh, what kind of you know would you recommend any specific book or podcast or even that 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 uh, talk to people listening to this show if they want to, to dig deeper into some of this subjects. Yes. Uh, well, look, the Ken Robinson, if you haven't already yeah, if you seen haven't. them, uh, uh, as, as we said, they, they've, been see, they've been seen by quite a few people. Yeah. I, I think he's fascinating and he speaks incredibly well on, on the creativity side. As I said, I would love to marry what Ken Robinson says with with a little bit more science. I think that the two can actually work mm -hmm. hand in hand. And there's probably a, you know, in historically they haven't always creativity and science haven't always gone hand in hand. I think they can. Um, um, gosh, I'm trying to think of uh, of other podcasts. Uh, I, I spend my whole time listening to podcasts. So it, let me ask you maybe something a little bit uh, different, which is about the difficulty that school boards. Uh, even here in Portugal, I was uh, watching a statistics of the, the Ministry of Education here in Portugal of the age of teachers. And one of the one of the big problems we have in the Portuguese educational system right now is that the age of the, the average age of the or the median age of the teacher is over 50 years old. So as these people retire, they will have lots of difficulty finding younger teachers and younger talents to go into the education is is this also a problem for international schools to to get younger talents to go into education and and be a professor be a teacher um it, i'm just in the process of recruiting you now. are and that's why <laughs> it's, 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 so it's a very timely question 
Um, I've been really lucky to have an amazing uh, response to some of the advertisements. Um, so it, my, it is easy to pitch them to come to live in, in Lisbon as well. Yes, or? I think it, I think it is a combination. Again, I think people are quite excited about the, yeah, the project. The project, but I also think. And, and look, you know, I'm not saying you could probably earn a lot more money in the Middle East or the Far East mm -hmm, if you mm -hmm. if you were genuinely uh, footloose. But um, as I said at the beginning, I've never heard anybody say a bad word about Lisbon, and that's not just me. That's that's reflected around. So that around also our, helps to sell the project. Definitely helps. I, I I think you're you're you've touched on a. We could probably have a whole podcast on recruitment in teaching worldwide. Mm -hmm. I think it is something that I feel we as leaders in education need to encourage more uh, and make it easy for 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 for, for because graduates to come. you know most kids they don't want to be teachers no. nowadays right i mean when i was a kid that was something that crossed our minds but nowadays people want to, to do something else and and even in terms of the you know the pay of the profession vis-a-vis -vis other professional careers, um, it, it might have some comp competitive factors there. But anyways, and, and if you wanted to speak about it, uh, by all means, let me know. Um, but l let me just ask you, uh, what words of advice would you give the, your younger self, Martin, who had just graduated from high school that was ready to take that RAF test or uh, and I guess there was a test back then, or at least they had to measure your height. Um, what would you say him? I, I think that was a setback for me uh, in hindsight. I didn't probably recognize it at the time, but it was a, it was a, it was a knock. And I think that what I would say to any, any child is firstly, make the most of all opportunities whenever they come along in your, in your life, both at school and, and beyond, you know, don't, don't waste any chances because actually they might not come, come again. And I think for my younger self, I would have just, I should have stepped back, taken a little bit of a, a look around rather than just jumping straight into university because that was the next thing to do. I, I would have still gone to university, by the way, but maybe studied something different. So, so what kind of opportunities are you going to give uh, your students out of year 13 instead of just going and doing their uh, I believe it's the A exam. What's the, the, the... so so uh, not, we're not doing A levels, but we're following I, uh, the international baccalaureate, which uh, is, right. is, is is there is an equivalent. To it's that. The, it's the same. Um, it's just a little bit more internationally based and, mm -hmm. and outward looking, but it'll st still get you into the best universities in UK and Europe. I, I guess the question is still the same. Uh, what would you? What what kind of uh, advice dash? Uh, network do you have in place to let them um, evaluate university just out of school vis-a-vis -vis other options like internships or uh, air force or military service or civic service voluntary whatever whatever they might want to, to do is do you have anything in place sought for the specifically for this 17 year olds uh, 18 year olds I, I think the process can start at 16 I, I, I think, or, or even younger. Yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, one of the parts of the, the Lisbon will be a, a program of, of, of encouraging, perhaps it'll be partly parents, but also Lisbon is full of fantastic 
outward looking people, entrepreneurs who who are doing jobs that we wouldn't have even thought about five years mm. ago. And getting those guys to come in and, and chat to the children, even if it's just for half an hour, just to inspire them to, 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 to look outside the traditional. Because if you and I went into many schools, particularly in the UK now, people would be talking about the same careers. And, and yet the chances are probably very high that they won't be doing those careers at all. You know, you could imagine the bankers and the legal system and et cetera. That's where they aspire to go to. But actually there's, there's such an exciting world out there that, of, of opportunity. So that's what I mean when I say take those opportunities. So I hope that we can help nurture and encourage uh, the children to, to follow different paths, uh, to, to, to look outwards rather than just looking down a, an old fashioned traditional path pathway we'll call it careers we may need a more adventurous title than that but it will be helping them choose the right uh, university maybe going straight into uh, an apprenticeship whatever it might be appropriate for that child very well thank you martin thank you so much for uh being with us um also thank you for for listening to the podcast if you enjoyed please give us your review on spotify podcast share this episode with friends and colleagues we also have some show notes on our blog at productize.medium.com where you can join the community. We will be sharing the links um, that we have spoken during the podcast. The podcast was hosted by me, Andre Marquis. It was researched by Evelina Bogdin and sound edit editing by Miguel Souza. Thank you. Have a great day. 